This is the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast. It will be covering a walk from the geographic centre of Australia to the centre of the nation's capital in Canberra to raise awareness of the mental health issues faced by our first responders. We ask a lot of the people in our police, emergency services and all frontline workers. That takes a big toll on them and their families, which is why this walk is happening. These are just everyday people that have to do extraordinary things. These people are just like my dad. This is the first of our podcasts recorded on the road. We're here near Udnadatta and this morning we are walking along the old Gan rail line, the original. And today I have with me Greg Mitchell. G'day Greg. G'day Matt. Hello everybody. It's a pleasure to be out here walking with you this morning on the Heart to Heart Walk. Great to be here. It's a wonderful thing to participate in. Yeah. Good family. It's a good morning to be out too. A bit better than the last week or so that we've had, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. today it's clear. There's, I look around, there's not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. It's just gone about 20 past eight in the morning. And uh, it's cool, but it's... Uh, it's good walking weather. Gracing, yes. Good walking weather. How does this stack up for your uh, your normal walks? Oh, location is quite different. Yeah. Um, but uh, so for everyone's walks, information, you normally walk in the what region? I normally walk uh, in around the Butterwangs and the um, Etrema Wilderness, which is west of um, the Shoalhaven. Oh yeah. Um, southern New South Wales. Wild country. Tiger country, I call it. Tiger country, yeah. Yeah, but beautiful, absolutely yeah. beautiful. But this, this is a beauty of its, it's quite unique. It's very special out yeah. here. Yeah, there's something about Central Australia. I've only ever been out here like a handful of times, but I absolutely love it out here. I don't know why. Yeah. So right. just for everyone's listening, there's certainly more than two sets of footsteps. So um, today we're accompanied by bats and elbow. So, uh, they're uh, walking ahead and enjoying this old Garn rail line. We, uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, been a part of our travelling direction, I guess, in the sense of where we're at and where we're heading. Certainly punches a nice straight line through this area. We're used to, and it's still there. There's still plenty of uh, remnants of it. But anyway, Greg. Um, we're going to get to talking about what's brought you here to the Heart Heart Walk and find out a little bit about you. So, probably just starting with, yeah, um, what you've done. So, you're retired now, fully retired, aren't you? I'm fully retired, yes. Um, <clears throat> my background is uh, in nursing. Um, I specialised in emergency nursing. Um, and that has taken me to a lot of different places um, and different places around the world as well. But um, yeah, right. I, uh, I've also, also got into aeromedical nursing. Um, yeah. I did work in the Middle East for a while and I had a taste of that there and loved it. So I found my way into New South Wales Air Ambulance 
I was with them for about 10 years and um, loved it. Um, so, yeah, nursing's been a good gig for me. How long have you done it for? Well, seeing you ask, 42 years. Holy Nora. It was my first wow. job, you could say, after I left I don't, school. I don't mean to <laughs> make a point of my age or anything, but you do realise that's, that's in the, uh, the bracket of my actual age. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm oh. still in my 40s. There you have it then. Well, I like to say <laughs> that I started nursing in the dark ages. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. So, oh, that's amazing. So, uh, yeah. where, did, where did you grow up? I was a local boy from Jervis Bay. Okay. I, I grew up at, uh, well, basically HMAS Creswell uh, on the shores of Jervis Bay. Yep. Um, my father worked for the Commonwealth. He didn't work for the Navy, but we were right, right, right. positioned there. So I grew up there, went to school in Nara. Um, Did he have a work car with those cool old Commonwealth plates? This, didn't they have a red number at the start? Well, because um, that's, that's an ACT territory. Oh, okay. oh, it is too, that's right. So yeah, yeah. yeah, they were all Commonwealth plates. Yeah. My father was a local magistrate. Right. So um, among other things. And uh, yeah, so that was a wonderful place to, to grow up. Yeah. Fantastic. I learnt a, a love, of, uh, love of the bush there because um, I got too sunburnt to become a real beachy. <laughs> but um, no, fantastic place. Yeah, right. So um, well, if your dad was a, a magistrate and others, yep. uh, what took you to nursing? Good question. Um, Believe it or not, I just wanted to, uh, even though I was surrounded by the Navy, because it's a naval base, Yeah. Um, I guess through a, a, a love of being outside and, and whatnot, I wanted to join the Army. Right. Uh, all the way through my youth, that's what I wanted to do. But unfortunately, I was born with um, quite uh, a marked visual defect. Right. Um, everybody except me knew that I wouldn't get in but anyway, I went through the processes and was turned down. So I was a bit of a quandary. My dad wanted me to become a plumber. You're right. Because he was in the, in the building trade. Okay. Really. Um, but a couple of friends of mine went to do nursing and they enjoyed it. And I enjoyed first aid and things like that. So yeah, a rather odd way of looking at it. I thought I'll do my nurse training for three years and then I'll join the ambulance service. Right. Um, I'm not sure why I thought that, but I did. So it's very weird, isn't it? Like, so many people that are, uh, so many people that go down the path of emergency services work are often, and I know I did too, are often faced with that decision point in their life where, do I go military or emergency services? Yeah. There's right. so many do that. Yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't, like, I know, I know more people that have had that thought than not so uh -huh. yeah that's uh -huh. pretty cool yeah so where did you start out and what year was that i started nursing in 1976 um and i went to barrel uh, in the southern highlands of new south wales yeah to be quite honest with you um i was a bit intimidated by the thought of going to a city yeah right full stop um and uh barrel was still quite country yeah um, not too far away from home, and then I uh, thought, okay, let's give it a go. Okay. And I found that I enjoyed it more than I ever thought I would, and um, my path was kind of set from there. 
Yeah, right. And what year was that? That was 1976. Yeah, we'll have to hook around to the right here to get back on the track. That's just a little bypass of that bad bit. 76, did you say? Yep, yep. Yeah, right. Ah, well. So. Actually, I won't, even, I won't even tell you how close that is to when I was born. I'll go on. No. Nah. <laughs> Very close. I'll tell, I'll tell you mine, you tell me yours. <laughs> anyway, so you've been doing a long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so where were, what, what was the training like when you started back then? The training was in based... In the dark ages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the training was based in hospitals. So these days the training is out of like a university type yeah. um, bed. Yep. Um, and uh, when I trained, we would effectively go to school, if you like, uh, for a couple of weeks, um, every few months. Okay. But we were based on the wards, so we learnt literally on the job. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it really set us up well, I, I believe. Right. Um, I learnt yeah. a lot about myself, as well as a lot about yeah. what I was there to to do. Right. Um, learnt a lot about how you manage. Um, your emotions, how uh, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And as a young sort of 19-year-old, from a fairly, when I say sheltered, I mean sort of um, insulated background, it yep. was uh, quite something. But um, the camaraderie in, in nursing with my my class, my group, and my colleagues was um, quite remarkable. It was a wonderful thing and very supportive. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so that's that's the old school. Um, but then it gave us a very good base to build upon. Like I said, I um, at a fairly early age of my nursing career, um, I thought I really would like to... I'll have to hook back over this way. You see, you see the mound there? You see it? Yeah. yeah. We're just going through a little bit of the gun rail line that's obviously caused the uh, thing to be decommissioned in the first place because there's a big section that's washed out. Yeah, a big washout, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, right. So you, you did hospital work for a while or? Yes. Um, I, as I say, in my, during my basic, my general training, I found that I really enjoyed a little bit of time that I was allocated to the emergency department. And um, I thought, well, I think I'd like to specialise in this. Yeah, right. So I started to look into the best way of doing that. And um, I was advised by my senior colleagues that um, go overseas. Right. Go, go to the UK, seek out a specialist course and, and do it. How old were you then? Um, well, I finished my training when I was 22. Right. So... Um, but the other thing that they, they, they said to me was that, yeah, further advance your career, but use it as a life experience. Uh -huh. And I'll, I'll always thank them for that because that's what it became. Um, so, yeah, after having basically never gone anywhere, yeah, yeah. I found myself on a, a big plane flying off to the United Kingdom. In yeah, the midst of all this business of trying to find a, a, um, a place to specialise in accident and emergency work, um, I actually pursued another sideline of midwifery. Fair dinkum. Yep. Yeah, right. So I 
Initially went to Scotland and did my midwifery training there with a, uh, a nurse colleague. We were buddies and we thought, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it together. Yeah. So that's Trish. And uh, we went to Scotland and did the 12 month midwifery training there. Um, and then from there, I worked for a while as a, a midwife and then further followed applications for emergency. Got accepted to a, a, a school in South Wales and uh, went and did the, the course down there. Yeah, right. Now, I know you said you ended up in the Middle East. How'd that happen? Uh, Middle East was basically once I had trained and qualified, um, I'd met my wife, Claire, uh, in, um, in the UK. Yeah. And uh, anyway, after both of us taking a year off and doing a different things. She went off to Hong Kong to work as a physiotherapist, which yeah, is her right. trade. And I took a year off and travelled overland through Africa and the Middle East, Asia. Um, after we uh, came back to Australia and got married, we thought, well, is there any way we can try and make the best of these high interest rates as they were at the moment to try and, you know, build a nest? Yeah, yeah. And um, so the, the Middle East idea was something quite popular when we were both in the UK right. as a means of um, earning funds and, and getting ahead. So... Uh, it's the first of our mud sections, is it? It looks like it. Hopefully not too much of this, but... You right, buddy? Yeah. yeah. Successfully negotiated. Um, so we and basically... We went to, both went to the UK together, yeah. and um, um, we were there for three, a bit over three years, three years, two months. Oops, a bit sloppy here. And uh, yeah, that was that. So flight nursing. Yes, New South Wales Air Ambulance. How many, how many people were in that game? Well, it's quite a specialist yeah, subsection of nursing. Um, Let's say it's a 24-hour service, providing service uh, 365 days a year, of course. Um, I'm just trying to think of the number of flight nurses that are employed. But there was, I'd say, off the top of my head, about six, six shifts, maybe seven shifts per day. Um, so we had to rotate through that. So it's a... Relatively small number of nurses, but highly specialised. Um, employed by the New South Wales Ambulance Service, because I'm talking about New South Wales now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as as nurses. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. Specialist subgroup. And that's for, like, uh, you know, acutely unwell patient transfers and things like that? Yes. Um, it covers... It covers general patient transfer to very isolated places. This is going to get pretty ordinary quickly here, isn't it? We just come across a uh, I think section of yeah. uh, scrub or mulga across it's the line. Got a little of the water road, course so. running through it, though. Yeah, that's all slop. Aha! Uh -huh. So this would have been an old bridge. Yeah, you see the culvert there. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just yep. have a quick look there. Yep. Ow. 
Oh, yeah, you can oh, see the... Yeah. Um, I've got some good Central Australian birds in there. Yeah, I've, did you get sock covers? Oh, you know, I stupidly didn't wear them. Oh. Because the, uh, the part of the game that we were on yesterday was pretty good. <laughs> Just watch those really spiky buggers in there somewhere. Yeah, I'm just looking at the remnants of an old uh, old bridge. All that's left is a concrete uh, support. Once we get out of this low point, we'll be right. The old Gain Railway was uh, frequently... through there, you reckon, Greg? Watch that. Yeah, this is OK yeah. through here. Yeah, it's all good. It's good to get through here, guys. It's frequently washed out. That's why they moved the line of the rail. Um, and we're seeing that here. Wow, you just punch out of this bit of a tree line, which is, you see that on the watercourses out here, and uh, back into the clear, wide open spaces. That's the amazing thing here. It's, well, people say big sky country, that's an understatement. The horizon's flat. But in this light, in the morning, you see lots and lots of different things in relief, texture, colour. Quite a magic, amazing part of the day. This looks a bit more like it. Yes, that's what we're about. Yeah, once, once we get cracking on from here, we'll be good. We're up at a bit high now. Yeah, yeah, so there and now, uh, so New South Wales Ambulance Flight Nursing would, I guess, would inherently be confused with RFDS stuff, Royal Flying Doctor Service type work. Yes, it is. And people. It is. Um, we do um, do very similar work in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, we'll just wait for them to come through yeah. that section. The big, the big difference, I think, between RFDS and, um, and New South Wales Air Ambulance, New South Wales Air Ambulance, um, Mostly, most of the work is flight nurse only. So the crew of the aircraft is one pilot who's there to fly the plane. And um, usually one flight nurse, but on retrieval cases, which is really intensive care requirement, then a, um, a medical officer and sometimes Just another. Just the truck uh, go past the, uh, the campground. Sometimes another flight nurse may be drafted in as extra crew. Yeah, okay, um, okay. RFDS, uh, they work with the doctor routinely and they do a lot more um, primary care delivery in very isolated places such as we're in at the moment. Right, yeah, gotcha. Here they come. We've got to remember the two people we're walking with today, one's not long, very recently had a double knee replacement and the other one's booked in for the same thing. So uh, they're, they're doing well. They are supportive of each other, and they are doing well. They are doing There's a commitment well. that they've got to be yeah. part of this, and they're showing it now. I think that's the uh, thing that makes this trip amazing is the bloody determination of yeah the determination of the people. Yeah, and I think that's what's drawn us into this this activity. Yeah, determined I, to make change. That's right. It's yeah. a commitment to it. We'll keep going. <clears throat> and, uh, 
Yeah, I've heard some of their conversations that they have together when there's no microphones around, and I'm pretty sure that's why they're very quiet today, so we might keep a distance. <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, wow, so how long uh, ultimately were you tied up with flight nursing as your primary role? Oh, approximately 10 years. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so once again, when I joined the service, I was... I received uh, extra training in yep. uh, ambulance protocols and etc. Um, and certified to do. We're just going to stay ahead a little bit so you guys can speak freely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll just keep our eyes on in the rear view mirror. Yeah, yeah. Can't get lost here now. No. Nope. <laughs> Funny fellas. Yeah. Yeah, right. So 10 years. Yeah. Ten years. Yeah, um, and that's based out of Mascot, I think you said, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, um, right. um, so Air Ambulance uh, had, I presume still has, um, two bases, uh, major bases at Mascot, just near the domestic terminal. Yeah. And there was another sister base, smaller base at Dubbo. Dubbo, yeah, right. But that, Dubbo. that was actually contracted out to be staffed and operated by the RFDS. So, yeah. But I was based at Mascot. Yeah, right. Wow. So, on a typical, a typical day, like, uh, we've had a lot of people on that have sort of talked about their policing and firefighting and things like that, They're those sort of career lines. What's a, what's a regular day in the life of a uh, flight nurse look like? I guess it would depend on what shift you were allocated, um, but... Uh... Yeah, it's very hard to say what's the average day like in the emergency is. services world. It doesn't really work like that. But. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. no such thing as an average. Some days you'd have a fairly, fairly sort of settled, predictable day where you're moving patients from high care to back home, perhaps, to right. lower care and vice versa. But nothing too um, challenging in a way. Yeah. Other days you may spend the whole day plus a whole stack of overtime just dealing with one case uh, that is complex, requiring you know intensive care therapy. And, yep. Um, one thing about aeromedical is that you've got to make sure all your eyes are dotted and your T's yeah. are crossed before you attempt to move an unstable patient by yeah. air, because it is officially classed as a hostile environment. Sounds yeah. sounds spectacular. Yeah, yeah. But it puts a lot of stresses on a, a sick patient. So you've got to make sure everything is as stable as you can make it before yep. you attempt to do it. I think that's what I used to like working with the, uh, the paramedics off care flight and the other uh -huh. iterations of aeromedical retrieval in rescue work because their adherence to procedures and checklists and processes, I used to love it because they were so regimented in their... Um, way of doing business yeah it uh it used to i used to really admire it because you know there's there's organized and disciplined and then there's that <laughs> yeah and, but it's, uh, it was cool it's oh, um, a bottle just a yeah. bottle it's born out of a necessity um to as i said before to make sure everything is as together and um as stable as you can make it yeah and uh, nothing is forgotten, nothing is missed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And it gets, it gets ingrained right from the word go. It's, you How know. long have you been out of the game now? Um, I left um, Air Ambulance about 2010, 
I actually developed glaucoma, which oh. is an eye condition. Um, nothing to do with the flying, I'm told. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of the things that happened, and um, that required uh, quite extensive surgery. Um, some of it went well, some of it did not. Right. So consequently, as a result, unfortunately, I was deemed unfit for flight duties. Flying, yeah. So I took that as a... Because um, you'd have additional medicals above and beyond normal operations, no doubt, for the, for the oh, role. Yes, yeah, to a degree, um, yes. Um, but uh, it became evident that if anybody with a visual issue... Yeah. Uh, being around the two spinning propellers is yeah, yeah. making people feel rather uncomfortable. So yeah. I can understand that. How they doing back there? So I. Uh, That's a cool sight, eh? Hey? Oh, it's a beauty. That's two, a great two one. old coppers walking along. Yeah. I'll tell you what, in the footsteps of others. Yeah, that's. Um, cool. I'm going to have to get myself a picture of that. That is. Very symbolic. Well done, boys. That's real cool. There's some moments on this walk that just you've got to stop and just go. Yeah, that's that's cool. I call it counting the days and collecting the moments. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's about. Yeah, and uh, just for uh, everybody listening, Greg and I had a conversation in the car not long ago about work group dynamics I suppose you'd call it and uh, and I was pretty quick to recount some memories that I have of being at a rowdy police station on a on a shift and all the characters that are there and all the carry-on and the behaviors and you know how they how they uh, act as a as a group behind the behind the scenes, and then yep. very uh, frequently, I would go up to yes. the ambulance oh. station, and you'd often walk in there and find people in there reading the financial review and having a latte and having a very <laughs> deep discussion about politics. And uh, it was a pretty different environment, Greg. It, yeah, I can understand that. It's um, it's a very different environment. I think we've got a motorbike coming up here, have we? I'm going close by. This is a pretty cool spot. I'm going to actually just record them walking past here. This is... Yeah, this, this is an amazing cool. piece of old industrial archaeology. Yeah. Um, what we're looking at is rotted out sleepers. Just like to take a moment to acknowledge the support we've had from our platinum sponsors, Police Bank and the Australian Federal Police Association. As you'd understand, the logistics behind getting from Central Australia to Canberra are pretty big. And without their support, this walk wouldn't be possible. So thanks for getting on board Police Bank and the Australian Federal Police Association. It's an amazing feeling to be walking in the footsteps of people. That's the one thing about this whole walk, for me anyway. Not just white people, indigenous people as well, of course, but um, just the effort and the whole concept of time. There's no concept of time in those, these days, you know. 
how long is something going to take to build? Who cares? It doesn't matter. It'll be done when it's done. And that's a concept that we've kind of lost, I think. And losing that, in a way, has put a lot more stress on our society. And that's evident, I think. Things like that become clear when you're in a place like this. Matt's back a bit, just doing this thing <coughs> with his uh, camera stuff. I might as well say it, he's a pretty amazing individual as well. He's just basically self-taught when it comes to things, media and video, and podcasting, things like that. Um, he's done so well. And he's a real integral part to our, our group. But everybody has a place, a part to play. And it's a joy to be part of that too. I'll just wait a bit for them to catch up. Out here near Udnadatta, the, uh, the desert, the, the scenery, it's dominated by the small gibber stones, just small jagged pebbles. Um, as I say, it's in some places, some, if I'm looking to the, looking to the west now, it's as flat as a tack, flat as the eye can see. A couple of high points around to the east where the sun is. Um, and uh, remarkably green in places. Other places, it's just that red, iron oxide type colour. Funny, I look back to the south and we see just a little bit of a hint of Udnadatta, the civilization, the water tower and some um, you know communication antennas, a few trees. But if I do a 180 around and look straight up the line where the line is going off to the north, there's nothing. You see the bed of the railway and it just goes off into nothing. Um, that's, that's not true, there's always something at the end of, end of the line. But um, yeah, it's amazing stuff. All right, we're back. I've just been chatting away, just describing yeah, cool. the scene. So you'll feel nice. yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there we go after that little little break. Where did we get up to? Um, uh, leaving our ambulance, I think. Yeah. Um, I did some patient transport work after I left. Okay. Um, but then I um, I decided that it was time for me to to leave nursing. Right. Because mainly because they are issue and not so much I I just felt that I I, I couldn't do the job to the level that I, I required. Okay, yep. So I thought I'll... Be honest with yourself. Yes, yeah. exactly that. So yeah. that's why. Silly dog, you'll never catch a crow. <laughs> <laughs> It'll, it won't it stop good, trying though. Look at it go. go. You bet. <laughs> what was the, I suppose, part of the job that you did like the most? What was most rewarding? For nursing generally or, yeah. or well, ambulance or...? In your whole career, yeah. <clears throat> I guess it was... Um, 
Well, it was. <clears throat> it was basically there for people. Um, I had skills, I developed skills as you, know, as you were taught and as you learned. Because some things you're taught are the things you learn, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, yeah, absolutely. How true is that? Um, and that comes through experience. And I, I found it incredibly rewarding just being there for people. Right. Whether it be to, you know, administer therapy, give them treatment, or just to be there. Yeah. I often say to people when they ask me, oh, wow, what do you do if you're in an aircraft as a flight nurse? And yeah. I say, well... To be quite honest with you, once you get everything sorted out and the patient tucked in and ready for flight, you know, 10% you might be doing stuff like, you know, administering medication or yep. monitoring or yep. whatever. <clears throat> and the other 90% <clears throat> is engaging. Yeah, right. Is talking. Is, yeah. Is holding a hand. A lot of people, yeah. that's another very <clears throat> challenging thing for the patients. Yeah. In aeromedical, is that they they all know that they must be sick enough to require a, a air transfer. A, yeah, yeah. trying a plane or a helicopter. Yeah. And invariably, they're going to somewhere that's uh, a, the big city or a big centre, and being taken out of their support network. Yeah. The the things that they're familiar with, the people, their land, um, and uh, it's a very very scary time. Yeah. And I felt it was a privilege to be part of that that chain, that treatment chain that they have, where they go off to the hospital and they have their operations and they have whatever yep. it might be. But me pay, playing my part to get them there and to support them through that, uh, I found incredibly rewarding. Um, challenging at times. Yeah. Yeah, because um, you're on your own, right? Yes. Yeah. Most of the time. Yes. Most yeah, it's, there's something, uh, I don't know, I used to find doing sort of fairly serious jobs on my own, yeah, rewarding but daunting at the same time. Absolutely. You know, that the actual responsibility that's on your shoulders to get stuff right is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not to be under uh, understated, I think. That's right, and it's, I think too, when you're in the job, you're your shoulders so close to the wheel, you don't really have the full perception of that. You're there yeah. to do a job and you're doing it. You're just getting on with it. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's only when you step away, I think, and you get a bit of perspective. Um, I never forget a, a colleague from my nursing days. I bumped into her after I'd left air ambulance and uh, was close to leaving nursing full stop. And um, we were just talking and I said, well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what it's gonna be like not being a nurse anymore. Right. And she said, among other things, she said, well, one thing's for sure, you're gonna be able to relax because you won't have other people's lives in your hands. Yeah. Now yeah. that's that's not just a matter of, you know, their life in your hands, but their their well-being. Yep. You know, their their, their wellness in your hands. A lot of responsibility. And it is, and yeah. you, as I say, you kind of, you don't forget about it, but it's just part of the ground. Yeah. And I'm sure it can it can have an on, ongoing effect. That's yep. that constant level of stress, depending on what you do, and depending on how you can 
managed to handle it. That's a piece Look of an that. old insulator. Yeah, yeah. And the line, the, uh, the uh, wires. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So do you think? Um, do you think that's why you're uh, continuing with the RFS side of things? Um, yeah, that's another good thing too. I think it's all in, born out of the fact of wanting to, wanting to give back. Like I, th I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm trained to be a, a nurse, a caregiver. Yeah. Um, and I'm, that, that's my paid job. But I've always had a desire to give something back to the community in some form or another. Yep. You know, and... Uh, and... Uh, growing up, I did a little bit of work, you know, and the bushfire side of things early right. on and had a bit of a taste and I... I don't know, I thought that, well, that looks like a good service to be in. Yeah. You know, advance yourself with the training that they offer, but also being there when it's required. Yeah, yeah, right. I could have gone to SES or Marine Rescue, I was on the coast, but I chose RFS. So, I'm still, I'm still there, but because of my eye issues, I'm not an active member, I'm a non-active member. There's but, plenty um, of work to be done though. Yeah, different it's, roles. Yeah. It's good. It's okay. Yeah, I think I um, I think when I left the cops, I was a bit like that. I, I really didn't want to give up the the fire rescue stuff that I was doing part time, just because I, uh, I I oh, look, there's no doubt about it. I enjoyed rescue operations, and I was lucky that I was living in a town that was a primary rescue station as well. Yeah. But uh, there's a little bit of me that just didn't want to let go, and um, and and likewise, I sort of thought, well, I've got to. I've got a skill set that's pretty well honed and they're short of that in town, so it sort of felt nearly wrong yeah. not to, um, you know, keep doing that yeah. in a part-time capacity. Yeah. That, was a, that just makes me think an interesting question I was asking myself is when you come to the end of a, a long career, a long identity... Yeah, it's a big one part of, of it, isn't it? Yeah, one of the questions I asked is... <laughs> Might sound a bit simplistic, but what do you do yeah. with all this knowledge and experience that you've accumulated and you've you've been utilising and giving out for so long? Yeah. What do you do now when you're not in a position to do that? Yeah. I it's mean, daunting. Yeah. Actually, a lot of the guys have spoken about it on the trip. That are, uh, and I say guys because the only girl on the trip still operational, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Uh, you feel you're pretty lost. Yeah, you, you've, <coughs> I had, know one, when you've I, had an identity <coughs> issued to you for a long time. So yeah, so? <laughs> you've had an identity issued to you for a long time. Exactly that. And yeah. you've worked hard. You've uh, embedded that identity, you know, with what yeah. you've done, and uh, to 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 lose that. Yeah. Or. And, yeah, some people, because of circumstance, have it taken away. Yeah. Medical things or, you know, family issues or whatever. Some people work their time and say, OK, that's it, I've done my... Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, but still... Yeah. That yeah. I, I've certainly been around people that don't want to know anything about it and have literally thrown out all, all of their old uh, bits and pieces they've hung on to over the years and, yeah, you know, <laughs> just absolutely wanted to... Never hear of it again, but yes. um, 
Yeah, there's well, certainly other people that have a lot of trouble with releasing that identity. I yeah. Think. As I said to you early on in the the, uh, the walk, Matt, um, I gave some thought to what it would be like uh, once I was no longer a nurse in yeah. the sense that I, I wasn't, I decided not to re-register, which you've got to register every year to officially oh, practice. Oh, yeah, right, okay, like a, yeah. You know, as a, as a nurse. State accredited person. sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. But um, I thought, no, I'm going to make the break. So I thought about it without, like I say, over-engineering the whole thing. Yeah. But um, I came to the conclusion that I asked myself the question, am I looking to do anything more in the profession? Do yep. I want to advance myself anymore? At age 62, I was yep. then. Um, I'm 65 now, folks. <laughs> I think I'm you the oldest member. Yeah, I thought you I'd are the uh, most disclosure. senior member of the group. Thank you, I appreciate there your terminology. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But so uh, I asked myself that question and the answer was, well, no, I think I've achieved, I had achieved enough for myself. Yeah, good on you. I'd made a, made a, a difference. That's a good call. Yeah. yeah. So a ultimately, I was content with what I'd done. Yeah, right. And as a result, I think I'm very fortunate that I haven't missed... I haven't missed it. Yeah, right. You've kept I've, busy, though, right? I've kept busy. Yeah. No doubt about it. On your farm and... Have a farm, uh, which is amazing. Yeah, and time to spend with my wife and doing stuff and being spontaneous. Yeah, right. As much as you can. Just being able to go off to to Sydney, go to a show or go to Canberra or go overseas. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah good. good on you. So, I know you're uh, an associate of Elbow, but um, what sort of ultimately, I suppose, tick the box of if you're going to commit to this walk? Yeah, you're right. Elbow gave me the, uh, the idea of it and said, look into it. Um, I like to think I'm, uh, well, I'm here because of, in a sense, to represent the countless number of people that I've met as colleagues and uh, associate colleagues from other services, for instance, you know, um, yeah. that I've, uh, I've met and worked with and spent time with and socialised with. The countless number of people who, on the surface, you know, appear absolutely, if I can say, together. You know, they're yeah. people that I would like to emulate, whether it be professionally or personally. They're just great people. But as I've got to know them and as they've allowed me in a little bit, I've found that they have got some pretty major issues when it comes to mental health, PTSD. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, suicidal thoughts, and you would never have picked it. Yeah. I didn't. And, um, yeah, and I think, wow, this issue is, is so much bigger than, than people consider. Yeah. So that's the thing that, that basically said, if this organisation, if this activity can actually promote and make things better on that side of things, or I would like to be part of it. Yeah. Um, well, thank so, you for doing so, because uh, it's people it, like you, I guess, that are part of that momentum that it needs to make change. I hope so. It's, yeah. it's, it's a privilege to be here. It truly is. Um, so, yeah, that's just if I can do my bit. 
Yeah. Well, all the better. Well, we're out here. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. And again, I don't know if that taps into that bit of part of my DNA that just wants to contribute. Still giving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's that. Yep. So just in wrapping up, I always like asking these questions. Um, and these that I usually ask in my hot debrief episodes are, uh, you know, what, like we've actually done on the walk, what worked well, what didn't work so well, and what would you do differently in your career or your broader life? What wow. worked well? That's a goodie. What worked well? Um, well, look, it's the choice of nursing. You'd never have known when I first started. Nursing has made me the person that I am. Right. If you can think that I was um, a very shy young man, um, hadn't seen anything of the world, and was quite happy in that, that, that place. You're still pretty shy compared to some of these big personalities on this walk. There's lots of big personalities. <laughs> I, I am a quiet one. I think we're the ones out on the edge there, anyway. But that's fine. I, yeah, you I'm know, happy I, being there too. That's, that's right. I, I'm a, as I said last night, I'm a bit of a sponge. I just sit and quietly listen to yeah, I contribute. Yeah. But I'm taking it all in. Yeah. You know. Um, but you also do come in like a sledgehammer every now and then with a very logical, well-considered comment <laughs> that decimates everything around it. <laughs> well, I love it. when the moment is right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so nursing. Nursing yeah. has made the Good person on. that I am. What do you think... Uh, you got wrong or went wrong or any aspect of that that comes to mind? Ooh, look, um, there's nothing that jumps up loud. I may think of something after yeah. we, we stop talking, but there's nothing, there's no major regrets. Yeah, what good. Would I, what would I do? What yeah, would what I not would you do, do differently? Again? And I always pose that of, you know, if you could have a chat with your... Uh, 20-year-old old yeah. self walking yeah. in the doors of that hospital starting out. Yeah. What would you tell yourself? Um, I, I think I would just say, just basically follow, follow your nose. Yeah. Go where, go where circumstance leads you. You know, you, you work towards things, you decide, you make decisions, things happen. Um, life comes to you. Just go with it. Enjoy it. <clears throat> As an old colleague many, many years ago once told me, life's a bit of a bit of a potato. Yeah. You can pick the eyes out of it, but keep the good stuff for yourself. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, and good that's, call. And that's stuck with me, that. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Well, Greg Mitchell, <laughs> thank you for the uh, GAN line chat this morning. Beautiful morning in the desert country of South Australia. And our first on-the-road heart-to-heart walk podcast guest. Thank you. An, Thank you very much. Been a pleasure. I, yeah, I really appreciate it. Couldn't pick a better studio to do it in. No. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the audio uh, attenuation out here is going to be pretty good, but it's probably got some good background noise too. Lots of footsteps. Yeah, it will be a bit. No yeah. complaints. Okay, bud. All the Thank best. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast. People on their own journey for the awareness of mental health in our first responders. Thanks for listening and please remember to support our foundation by going to the webpage at www.hearttoheartwalk.org. 
That's www.heartthenumber2heartwalk.org or just Google it.